Welcome back to the Muscle Cars Podcast. This is episode number four of Stories from My Father. In this episode, you get to hear him talk about his 1958 Chev Impala. Okay, so we last talked about your 56 Plymouth Belvedere, and next up you said uh, you went to a 58 Impala. And what year was that that you got the Impala? Uh, it was the summer of 1960. Summer of 1960. Which was right after high school. And do you remember where you got that? Yes, I bought it from a dealership called Earl Meyer that had a long history in auto wrecking yards. And uh, then the son ended up with this kind of premier dealership in a little town we lived in. So uh, Earl Meyer was in Everett? Earl Meyer was in downtown Everett, yeah. Let's see, so the 58 Impala, what was the engine in that? Um, when I bought it, it was a 283 with a two-barrel. Okay, and, and options on those, you could have come with a 348 also. True, um, several 348s actually. It was the first year they put the 348 truck engine into one of their cars. And the one I bought had a three-speed on the column. Okay, and so you said it came with a 283, gives me the idea that you may have changed things out. Yeah, that's where I started playing around with engines, never had any guidance or anything, and have a hard time at this time of my life believing that I even did some of the stuff that I did. And so um, I think one of the first things I did was I put in uh, a Chef Duntoff solid lifter cam, like what they used in the Corvettes. Okay, so but this is still in the original 283 motor. In the, the original 283. So when you say a Duntoff cam um, from the Corvettes, was that a hydraulic or, or a solid lifter? No, it was a solid lifter. It was solid lifter, so it needed to be adjusted then? Yes. Okay, so were they that noisy? Uh, no, really. The, uh, the purpose was to give the exhaust a little lope and give you higher RPM, which usually you used with a different... Uh, rear end ratio, but I didn't do that. Okay. So when you put the cam in, did you do any modifications at the same time? Um, I don't remember if it was at the same time. I think it was later. I ended up, I put uh, dual quads like what the Corvette had on it. Yeah. So you didn't go, you kept the two barrel on there when you put the cam, did the cam change? Yeah, to start with. Okay, to start with, yeah. And then um, eventually you went to dual quads uh, what carburetors did they use on the dual quads then? Oh gosh, yeah, it's been a long time. It was either, I think it probably was Rochester's. Okay, so and Rochester, that was prior to quadrajets. That was back when they had like the four GC four jet yeah, cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And uh, what about the exhaust system? Anything there? Um, let's see. I did have duals on it, and. Um, I went to the Chev dealer and talked to them, and I don't know where I got the idea, but it turned off the uh, Corvettes had what they called an off-the-road exhaust system. Mm -hmm. And they were a high-performance muffler. Sounded great on the Corvettes, and they, I think, sounded even better on the Pontiac. And so we, being my, the owner of the gas station that I worked in after... Uh, community college uh, uh, did welding and all that and so he uh, 
did that work of putting those on for me. Now, back then, uh, dual exhaust systems, you didn't do any sort of crossover or anything, did you? Atrex, obviously not an X-Pipe. I don't, if I recall, I don't think they... They might have had a, a single crossover between the two, okay. just to, to balance, I think, more the system more than anything. Right, okay. And uh, so back then, too, the, the 283 was the biggest factory version of the small block shove, wasn't it? Uh, yes. So yeah, the later, only version. Right, it was later that the 327 came Correct. along. Correct. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it was uh, in 63 the next year. Well, let's see, I guess it'd be a couple of years after I bought that car. So, 63, I think. Well, wait, they had them in 62. Um, I don't think they had it in 61. Okay. All right. So, and 58 and follow. Now, 58 was a brand new body style after the, the shoebox 55 to 57. Oh, yeah. Years. It was a much nicer uh, car as far as ride and quietness. And instead of having leaf springs and that so, type of thing, it had coil springs in the rear. And So you had rear coil springs, front coil springs. Um, and the interior in that, was it still a bench or did that come with a bucket seat? No, it, it had a um, bench in it. And I had that modified slightly by my friend that uh, uh, still worked for the upholstery shop that did the 56 Plymouth, mm -hmm. <laughs> or the 50 Plymouth. All right. What color was the 58 Aurora? Well, I wanted a black one, waited a long time, couldn't find one, and I kind of wanted the three-speed stick. I didn't want a power glide. Mm -hmm. So the one I bought uh, was turquoise. Okay. And uh, so the interior um, was kind of a black cloth, and uh, as I recall, and I think it had uh, turquoise uh, inserts. And so to change it a little bit, I took it to my friend at this upholstery shop that I'd mentioned. And uh, so we put a white rolled and pleated insert into the... Uh, seat backs and seat cushions front and rear. Okay, so now I'm just thinking of later model Impalas that had the little speaker in the back seat area in between the seat backs. Did they also have that in the 58? Yeah, the Impalas had that. So All the Impalas had So it was unique to Impalas, but also the more base model, the Delray. I'm not sure that if the Delrays had any of that. I, don't, okay, so I really don't think they did. Because it, it had a drop-down armrest, too, as I recall, uh, that came out from under that chrome speaker grill. Okay, so so this had a front and rear speaker with the AM radio? Correct. Okay. All right. And now, at the time, I remember um, the Wonder Bar radios. Did this have anything like that, or was it just a straight manual button radio? I believe I found one and stuck in there, because this one with a three-speed and two-barrel was a pretty basic car. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you did end up updating it the did, radio now. It did get an upgrade. Okay. And so, once again, this is 1960, so at this point you were 19 years old. Was this after you had graduated high school? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, um, probably a matter of a few months was all. Okay. Well, wait, summer of 60, so it was actually a year after. Okay. Oh, so you graduated in 59. 59, yeah. Right. 
And uh, so what kind of stories do you have or memories specific you have of this car? Well, uh, it was a really nice car. It was so much better driving than the previous cars and riding. Extremely quiet. In fact, at 60 miles an hour in second gear, you couldn't even hear it. It was just really smooth and quiet and and uh, kind of backtracking to the uh, 283 that I had played around with. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the Duntoff should have had uh, different springs, heavier duty springs and stuff. Right. And, and I didn't know about that. And, uh, and of course, most of that I found out later. And the gears in it actually were a, a 355, as I recall. Well, that's a pretty deep It still gear. wasn't a bad gear. But uh, anyway, so it had that, and uh, and maybe by putting the solid lifter cam in there and the extra revs, and and I just recently thought of that when we were talking about doing this podcast, and uh, I had trouble on one cylinder head pulling the rocker studs, okay. and there was were a number of times that. Uh, a friend of mine would go cruising in downtown Seattle and then out to this um, kind of hangout where uh, there were a lot of really nice street rods. And I can remember a time or two on the way back home, which was about 30 miles away, I had to pull over and go out and take a crescent wrench or something and pound the stud back in. Okay, so the studs were press fit, they weren't screwed. They were studs. press fit, yeah. And I. I'm sure because it was just a standard one that uh, they weren't really set up for the RPMs and wouldn't have been set up for the valves either. Oh, that kind of makes me wonder with um, using the stock valves with a higher lift and duration cam, if you ever ran into issues with valve float. No, I don't know as I really did because I never really rubbed it up that much. <laughs> so now, did, did you even have a tachometer in that car? No, I never did uh, run a tack on any of my cars if they didn't have one when I bought it they didn't have one when I got rid of it uh, and uh, and I pretty well knew where my uh, speed shift points were anyway and uh, so um, what about any other gauges did you just run off the idiot yeah I think I I do I believe I did run amp and oil gauges which were pretty popular at that time what about vacuum um, no, I didn't run a vacuum gauge, but I had a vacuum gauge, which uh, I had bought just, in, you know, a separate vacuum gauge that I used for uh, adjusting the carburetor, which, uh, you know, it worked okay. Um, and I had that for many years, probably up until two years ago, actually. Okay, so... Any other stories relative to the 58 Impala? Um, yeah, it continued on, and uh, I had a friend uh, from a little town about 10 miles away that had a red and white 58 Impala, and it had a reputation as being really quick, and it had the old turbo glide transmission, which nobody really liked, but for whatever reason, uh, it had the turbo glide and a 348 four barrel. And so um, a while I, I, after I'd played around with this um, 
283, uh, he had a fire in his garage and his car burned up. And so um, I bought the Turbo Glide Trans, which I didn't want, and the engine for I think like $75 and, uh, and uh, junked off the transmission. And this uh, 348 they had that had been really a, a good strong engine. Uh, again, I was working in this shell station and so uh, my boss pretty much, with a little bit of my help, uh, we rebuilt the whole engine. And uh, and when we got it, the carburetor had melted into the intake. It got that hot. Valve springs were all collapsed. And the rubber seal and the harmonic balancer had melted. So <laughs> it was pretty shabby looking. And... Uh, so anyway, we got that in and got it running. It ran, ran really well. And uh, then uh, coming back from a, a drag race on the freeway uh, one Sunday, um, I um, sucked a valve. And uh, anyway, went back out to the service station and, and uh, the owner took care of that issue for me. It didn't hurt the piston somehow, I guess. Uh, at least I don't recall it doing that. And uh, and so then after that, um, it had had steel head gaskets in it, which were a little bit higher compression uh, when we first rebuilt uh, it. And so whatever reason, we started putting in uh, a little thicker head gasket that lowered the compression and uh, and then I started having problems. About once a month, I'd uh, blow a head gasket. So off come ahead, on went a new gasket, and and I put up with that for quite a while. And then finally, one night when I was working at the station, I finally got tired of it, and so um, I told the boss I was gonna. Uh, pull the heads off and everything and I worked until 10 o'clock at night and we were on the outskirts of town and so there really wasn't much traffic so I pulled the heads all off and uh, and took and had them checked at a machine shop where a friend of mine worked and and then uh, I think the boss checked the uh, block to make sure it was good and uh, so anyway, uh, we put it back together, and then uh, actually in that process, we actually found out the problem why I was blowing head gaskets about every month, and, and it turned out in that uh, fire that this engine had gone through, we tapped the block threads but we didn't chase the threads on all the head bolts. And so they weren't torquing properly. Okay. <laughs> Which was so simple, caused so much work. And so we figured that out and cleaned those all up. I didn't have any more problems after that. And then uh, uh, it wasn't probably too long after that, uh, went ahead and, and uh, decided to sell it and so uh, 
there was a um, 60 Pontiac that I liked and I thought I wanted to buy that because I always kind of liked the more heavy luxury cars and uh, so I traded it in and uh, and bought this 60 Pontiac and it turned out a friend, well not really a friend of mine, but he was a classmate in high school. Uh, I don't think he even had a driver's license and he bought it and uh, and it wasn't a month or two later I heard that he had uh, was in some kind of a wreck uh, about 50-60 miles north on a freeway and totaled it out. <laughs> And I never saw anything or heard anything other than that. So that was kind of where the end of the um, 58 Impala uh, came to an end. So when you did the 348 swap, uh, I assume that the transmission just bolted straight up to the, the back of it? Yes, everything bolted up. and Motor uh, mounts and everything. Motor mount, I, I believe the motor mounts worked. I probably put new ones in though. Okay, and then the 348, that was a four barrel? It was a single four barrel. Yeah, because you can't swap intake manifolds from the 283 to a 348. Yeah, there was one other thing too. I met this fellow that had a um, 58 Impala convert and uh, we used to go up to the, to the Arlington, Washington drag strip and we both run our cars and uh, his Impala had an ultra-rare uh, four-speed, which I believe they had to be dealer-installed. And he had the tri-power. And so, uh, anyway, we uh, uh, kind of swapped cars one time, and he drove my four-barrel uh, 348 and three-speed, and he actually beat my times, and he actually beat his tri-power. <laughs> one and he used to be usually uh, at the top of his class in the one class higher at the drag strip and so was that the only time you raced the 58 Impala or did you run it very often um, yeah I had it up there a few times um, and then um, let's see and also <laughs> I did something else stupid kids um, he lived in a, a house that had a kind of steep <laughs> Okay, so you, he, what kind of street was it he lived on? Well, it lived on a, a nice street that was up on a hillside by a, par, a big, huge park in Seattle. And uh, so anyway, uh, he had taken the tri-power off and was going to have that all rebuilt. And the car's on this side slope that's fairly steep, not very far off the main uh, little road that went in front of his house. And... So he got those uh, carbs rebuilt, and then he decided he wanted to go a little further and grind the valves and and uh, replace the cam. So, in all my wisdom, as a young kid, I well, fine, you know, I'll help you do that. And I don't think he'd ever done it before. And so um, we tear it apart, and and he gets all the parts and everything, and and gets the valves ground and we put the heads back on and and put the new cam in and everything and uh, and it had to be really careful. I hadn't thought about it when we took it apart, but 
how are we going to get down to it if it doesn't start up right away? And it was hydraulic lifters. And uh, so anyway, we put it all back together and I brought the distributor up to where it should have been really close to in time. And, and I think it was about the second crank the thing started right up. And wow, that was a sigh of relief because I don't know how we got it running otherwise. And uh, so that, and then, uh, like I say, we had run it up at the drag strip a little bit. And of course, these cars weren't super fast, they, especially compared to anything today. And they, I think uh, his tri power one probably run 15 sevens, and I probably run 16 flat. But when he drove it, he, he got uh, the 15 seven or a tad bit more out of my car with a four barrel. Okay, well, was there anything else left on the 58 Impala before we move on? No, I think that finished it. I kind of forgot about the issue and helping this friend of mine. Yeah. Okay, so, and like you said, the next car you went to was the 60 Pontiac, which we will talk about next. Mm -hmm. And thanks for listening to the Muscle Carist podcast, Stories from My Father. You just heard about his 1958 Impala, and next up we have a Pontiac. So tune in, hopefully next week, and we'll have another episode. Thanks for listening.